Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Well, hallelujah. Um, I want to talk about the family for the next few weeks. And uh, so why don't you stand with me, open your Bibles over to Psalm 128, Psalm 128, and uh, I'm going to use this to kind of be our anchor text for this series for the next few weeks as we talk about the family. I can't think of a more relevant topic to discuss. I know we were talking about the end times, and I'm going to circle back into that as I come out of this and talk about church family and what we are to do in the end times this fall. Uh, But the family is needing God's uh, blessing. Family is God's ideal, as you're turning over to Psalm 128. Family is God's idea. He designed the family so he can have a relationship and fellowship with the family on earth. He has a family in heaven. They're angels. He wanted a family on earth, and he made us in the image of God. He wanted a fellowship with man, a family with man on the earth, and also to build his kingdom through the family unit. That was God's purpose in Genesis. It was the first institution that God created before there was a community, before there was cities, before there was an empire, before there was the church, there was a family. God performed the first wedding. He was the first overseer. He was the first architect to put together a family. It's his idea. It's also the very first thing that Satan, the source of evil, has attacked. If you have any spiritual discernment at all, you can see how there is still a battle raging upon our family in our, in our culture today. It's all over family. Satan cannot create like God can like God can. So what the enemy does is he duplicates. He, he can't reproduce, so he redefines. Hear me. I said he can't reproduce, so he redefines. He redefines truth. God made truth. Jesus is truth. God's word is truth. So Satan comes along and says, did God really say? Did God really say? He, he duplicates. He redefines what truth is. He redefines love. He's redefining love. He's trying to redefine marriage, and he's trying to redefine the family. Today, media used to support family values. It used to really give us an idea, and we can relate. Today, now, it indoctrinates, and it gives us a false sense. It gives us a view of brokenness, and family's really not even the family anymore as you see it. In the Bible, when you look in the Bible, it's full of examples of families struggling to try to find their way back to the garden. You only get three chapters in, Genesis, and then everything falls apart. And the entire Bible is examples of families trying to get back to God's blessing. You have broken families, children neglected, women being marginalized, men kept in the dark about their true purpose and identity. You see this as an example in the Bible. Spouses are hurting, intimacy is withheld, but anger is unleashed, and marriages are ending in divorce, which damages the entire family unit, and it grieves the heart of God. It grieves the heart of God, but I got some good news to you, for you today. There's a little statement throughout the Bible that says, but God. It's always at the end of a very bad scenario. This is happening. It's falling apart. He's left all alone. The family, this. But God, 
Lazarus was dead for four days, but God. Israel felt abandoned. They got themselves, because of their own choices, into a bad situation. But God sent the prophet. But God sent the deliverer. And God sent Jesus Christ to show us not only to break the bondage of sin and break generational and family patterns through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus come to show us how to be restored, how to have our families restored into the blessing and the covering of God. So the next few weeks, I'm going to show you how that's happened. And in Psalm 128, we have a snapshot of what I'm going to call the portrait of God's family. Psalm 128 says this, blessed. Everybody say blessed. That word is not shalom in the Hebrew. That word is esher. It means happy. You may have an NIV or another translation when it says happy. That's important for today. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Here's the snapshot of what a family, how God designed it. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. It shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Because thus shall the man be blessed or happy who fears the Lord. The Lord make you happy and bless you out of Zion. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace, their shalom, be upon Israel. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask your blessing upon our time as we stand in the presence of the Lord today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today in the house of God. So I'm going to frame this series like this today. Many different ways you could talk about the family so I'm going to call it God's Family Portrait. How many remember the good old portrait days? Put this out on Facebook, man, and wow, thank you. I've got so many family pictures that's been emailed, inbox, and on Facebook. So throughout this month, I told you, if you, if you, if you want to, if you dare, share them on social media. Uh, we also asked our staff to, to participate and let them know. We'll, we'll show them uh, on TV. And we're not laughing at anybody. We're laughing with everybody, okay? <laughs> so, it, so students know about picture day, right? Picture day, you still got picture day. Well, we had what's called portrait day. Portrait day was the way we grew up. It's the way it, every family had port every year. Uh, we had church directories. Uh, we had them for a fundraiser before to raise money uh, at church. You would come. And, and so we have some, in, in case you forgot what they really look like, this was, this was our portraits uh, back of the day. I just got a few. Go ahead and put some of them up here. So we even got creative with uh, some would be, ma would be matching. Some would bring animals uh, in with the family portraits, uh, with, you know, being creative. Uh, and so this is what family portraits would look like. And once you took the picture, there was no retake. I mean, it was, it was, I had a couple that Melinda wouldn't let me share because one of them, our eyes like, that's actually what we paid for. And that's what you got. I was getting ready to say something, I swear, in this one. I was like, Ugh. and it just got you. There was no retake. You paid big money. You got dressed up. You came out. Everybody got in position. Boom. Here's another one. Then we also had the cell phones. I'm sorry, young people. This, these pictures may scar you for the rest of your life. These were the cell phones, and yes, that is a beeper on my friend's uh, belt there. 
So we had the beeper. I mean, then we got real creative with the family portraits and we had something like this one. I have no idea what this one was about. But then our staff kind of participated, and I'll show these today. I got more coming. Hallelujah. So don't laugh too hard. Amen. So here, you may recognize Pastor Steve and Lindsay. This was their uh, couple uh, portrait here. We have Pastor John and the Sherman clan. <laughs> you can thank your mom for that and dad for that, Rob. Amen, Alyssa. Then we have, uh, we have the Dennises, our life group directors. Can't leave them out. What a cute family that they have. Yeah, and uh, I got to participate. So my mom sent a ton of them. Here's the only one you're going to see is this one right here. So, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Got the hair to the side. We had the ties on. The ties on. My older brother, he's watching and family's watching. And there's Stevie. There's Pastor Steve. That's Pastor Steve, y'all. <laughs> He's preaching in a couple of weeks, so be nice, brother. He looks awesome. Amen. Okay, God's family portrait. Those were the family portraits. So this is how kind of like the Lord showed me uh, how I want to set this up, is that those family portraits were a big deal. And one of the things that we did when you made a family portrait is you came together and the photographer gave every one of us what? Instructions. He would tell us where to stand. He would position us. He would always say, dad, you know, turn your, your shoulders this way. Mom, lift your head. Boys, he, sometimes he'd put boys on the little props, on the little steps. But everybody had to get into position. Let me switch gears. Psalms 128 here is God given specific instructions. And for the next few weeks, we're going to break down the different instructions that God has given the man. Every instruction God has given the woman. The instructions that God has given our kids, teenagers, young adults, all the way to little ones. How we need to position ourselves. What are our, our responsibilities as making the portrait of God according to Psalm 128? Today, here's the general one, and it begins, I'm only going to use the very first two verses today. In the very first verse, it tells us this, and this is my only point for today. Verse, put verse one up there. Blessed or happy is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. So he begins with this very first point. I want to make it clear. Having a Christian family begins with a personal commitment to honor God and his ways. This is where it begins. No matter where you are listening from, where you are in your faith, you're a young person that doesn't have a family of your own yet, and you're growing up. Listen, this is where it starts. This is where Psalms 128 begins to get all of the blessings to get the happiness. You can make a subtitle of this sermon today of how to get the happy home, how to get God's blessing and how to be happy in your home. He says that. It begins with the personal commitment to honor God. Everybody say honor God. Honor God and his ways. We get this from fear God. He said, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. To fear the Lord or to fear God, what does it mean? Fear God means this. It means to greatly respect or reverence, to honor, to be in awe of our God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. That's what it means, not, not to be terrified and scared of God, but it's, it's, it's an amazing, overwhelming reverence and awe 
of how amazing our God is. Do you know how amazing our God is? When we worship him, when you begin to think about God, it should just bring you right into an uh, attitude of, of praise and worship when you think about how amazing our God is. How God has created everything we see around us. You know, we have, I was looking this stuff up, there is a hundred billion stars in our Milky Way. One hundred billion stars in our Milky Way. You know, that's the same amount of number of how many neurons are in the human brain. Don't you think about that? 100 billion receptors or neurons in the human brain. That, like, how does that even fit in your brain? We have those, those planets in our solar system are designed specifically to be located right where they are. If the moon was any further or any closer, we would have tidal waves and tsunamis all over our globe. But it's positioned in its perfect place. If the sun was any closer, we would fry. And I know our world is basically unraveling right now because that's part of the end times prophecy. But I want to tell you the way God designed it in Genesis. I want you to know God spoke that into existence. Your God, my God, who we serve, every one of those planets has a purpose. You can't make that up. The earth is spinning 24,000 miles an hour on its, just on its axis, but yet it has a gravitational pull that is so delicate it can keep an ant from flying off the planet and a huge skyscraper standing strong. Who designed that? Your God. Your God has designed that. Your God has made that. Our God, the heavens declare the glory of God. The mountains scream out in show of his handiwork. Our God did that. Our God is an amazing God. That's the God that we serve. That's our God. You think God started in Genesis 1-1? You're wrong. He didn't. You need to write in your Bible, Genesis 0, 0. Before the beginning was God. God wasn't in the beginning. Yes, he was in the beginning, but he didn't get his beginning when the start. He's the one that started start and told start when to start because he don't need a start to get started. He was already here before the start was started. That's our God. He was here before the beginning even started. And I'm not going to repeat that. In the beginning was God. He's outside of time. Man, I can spend all day on how good our God is. God is good. He's amazing. And we think, oh, I've got to go to church and worship him. Keep that worship then. But when you remember, forget not all of his benefits. When you start remembering how amazing our God is, the awe of God, the reverential fear will come upon your heart. Listen, here's the whole point. That fear of the Lord, it means that, that awe of God begins to move you to obedience. It begins to move you to follow God's ways. That's the fear of the Lord. When you are walking in the fear of the Lord is because you are so amazed at him. Let me make it simple. To fear the Lord means this. Take God seriously. Take God seriously. Parents, you want the blessing of your home? You want to get that family portrait? Take God seriously. Coming to church is just a very small part of it. Taking God seriously is taking God seriously at home. If we take God serious, our kids will take God serious. 
But if we don't take God serious, they're not going to take God serious. I'm sorry. We can take him to church. We can, we can talk about God and, and have a couple of standards in our life. And that's amazing. That's good. You've got to start somewhere. But the fear of the Lord has got to be deep into the heart of his people. The fear of God has got to be something that is in your heart. It is something that you walk in, you live in. You, 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 you show it to your kids when you walk on the road, when you wake up in the morning. It's the fear of the Lord. That's where all of the blessing begins. When the family gets in its position to make a personal commitment to fear the Lord, then God says, all verse 2 comes. The verse 1 also tells us something very important. Notice it says, to everyone who fears the Lord. Notice it's an invitation to everyone, no matter your context today. No matter if you are in a broken home or your, your marriage is in trouble. It doesn't matter if your home is in trouble. If, if you don't even know who your parents are and, and, and you come. And by the way, the roles that we talk about on husband and wife, this pertains to biological dads and moms and foster families and grandparents. When we start talking about these responsibilities and roles as parents, they, they are for all of those that I mentioned but he said, this is for everyone, everyone, no matter your context. Everyone must make that personal decision, that personal commitment to honor God and his ways. The Bible tells us that there, there were wicked kings in the Bible who had righteous sons. They were wicked kings, but yet they had a righteous son. Josiah was one of them. His dad was evil, was one of the most evil kings there ever was. But Josiah stood up and brought the greatest revival Judah has ever, ever seen at just eight years old. And then 12 years old is when he began to cause a revival to take place. You also had righteous kings, but had wicked sons. Here's the point. Every generation must make the personal commitment themselves to honor God in their family and his ways. It doesn't matter if your mom and dad were saved. It don't mean you will be. God has no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. How many know what that means? He has just children. You have got to be, and you can be a Josiah, you can be uh, any one of those other kings that had a good mom and dad, but they chose to go the other way. That's the, every person has to make that own personal commitment and say, as for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. And no matter what kind of context you have had, you could be like Jabez, who his own mother cursed him and said, you will be a son that will cause pain. His old mama said that. But Jabez said, I don't want to live with that reality. And he called out to God and said, God, break that off of my life. I want to be a blessing. I don't want to cause pain. I don't want that family a generational thing on my life and break it off of my life. And God broke it off of his life. Hallelujah. You can break it off of your life. You have to make that personal decision. God said this to Cain and Abel. When Cain and Abel, the, the children of Adam and Eve, came to worship God to bring their offering before the Lord, the Bible looked at Cain, and Cain was all depressed, and Cain was like all sad. He looked at Abel, and Abel was being blessed. And, and God looked at him and said, Cain, why are you jealous? You can have the same thing your brother has. God is no particular of person, but he is particular to his promises. If you claim, if you and I say, I want to have the promises of God, I want that family portrait for me in my house, God says, great, this is how you do it. And God said to Cain, 
Why are you so sad? You can have the same blessing that your brother has. But yet Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, bitter and angry, and he never got it. Because every one of us has to make that own personal decision. Verse 1 tells us that. Anyone who fears the Lord, anyone who fears the Lord, God will begin to bless them. And here's verse 2. This is what will happen to those who bless us. When we honor God with the fear of the Lord, he will bless us in these three areas. When you eat the uh, labor of your hands, everybody say money. You shall be happy. Everybody say happy. And it shall be well with you. These are the three main areas that every family wants. I don't care if you're an atheist listening to me today. Lean up, listen, you would admit that you want to be happy in your money, you want to be happy in your emotions, and you want to be happy in knowing that you have a future. You could say fortune, feelings, and future if you want to write these three points down. This is where we're going to land today and show you how to get God's blessing, the happiness of God in these three areas. It's in verse 2. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who fears the Lord, who honors God, commits to honoring the Lord. God said, when you do this, you're going to be happy. I'm going to bless the work of your hands. Let's talk about money. Here we go. We already took up the offering, so don't freak out. But money is important. It's important to all of us. And I don't talk a whole lot about money except for the offerings, but I never dedicated an entire message too often about it. I should do more because it's to instruct you and I uh, how to get God's blessing in our finances. The three causes for divorce, Melinda and I sit down with couples all the time. These are the three leading causes to divorce is finances, communication, and sexual problems. But finances is always a key there. It's the money. It's always the money. And Jesus knows this. Jesus, his overwhelming theme was the kingdom of God. That was his number one message was the kingdom of God. Again, because God created the family to build the kingdom of God on earth. He said, I want you to replicate. I want you to duplicate, fill the earth. Every day we're going to have communion, Adam. We're going to be in fellowship. And, and there is no king. This, a, this is a theophany. This, this, a theop, this is when God, a theocracy. When God is king and I will speak to you and we will, we will, this is how this thing on earth is going to be. This is the way it's going to be restored, by the way, in the life to come. There'll be no politics, there'll be no Democrats, Republicans, independents, and all these other nations in the voting. We won't have a democracy like that. We will have a theocracy when God is our God. He is our ruler. He is our just and mighty king, our sovereign God. Amen. But he said, this is how it's going to happen. But Jesus, out of 39 of his parables, 11 of them dealt with money. 11 of them. Why? Because money is important. And every time Jesus talked about money, he always talked about the attitude over the amount. It's not the amount that matters so much to God. The amount is, is yes, it helps when you tithe and you give the first tenth to God. And I'll get to that in a second. It's the amount. But you can give that with an unwilling heart. You can give it in like you're paying a bill or like, you know, give it like, and you miss out on the blessing that God will give you and I because our attitude's not right. It's the attitude that God always looks upon when it comes to money. In Deuteronomy, we're given, this is the chapter, the whole book, but chapter 28 is where we receive 
the blessings of the financial plan that God has for the family. You want a financial plan? There's a lot of good plans out there. But if it's not biblically sound, if it's not based in Scripture, let me encourage you, don't listen to it. Even though many that are uh, secular Bible plans, they give you the 80-10-10. They tell you to always give 10 to charity, 10 to, uh, to 80 in savings, 10. They do the 80-10-10. That's actually a principle from the Word of God. Dave Ramsey's a good one. He's a Christ-centered and a biblical. Uh, he'll have you not spending a dime on nothing, though. I'll just tell you that right now. But he's bi biblical-based. He talks about the tithe and how God does it. But Deuteronomy 28, the Lord says this. The Lord will open up to you. He says this to you and to me. God said he will open up his good treasure to give rain to your land in its season. That's important. In its season. And will bless the work of your hand. So first of all, we know we got to get a job. I always said this even when I was a youth pastor. I told the young fellows, listen, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. Amen to that. Come on, some of all the women said, preach, preacher. And, and the Bible's very hard on work. We got to work. He can't bless the work of our hands if we have nothing we are producing. We've got to have something that we produce. Whether you sit behind a desk all day and work hard, that's still a, type, a different kind of work, or you're in the medical profession, there's something we've, there's some responsibility that we have to have that God will be able to honor and God will be able to bless but the Lord said, I will open up my good treasure. How many would love for God to open up his treasure and rain down blessings on your finances? 50 of you. Come on. It's good. How many would like that? I mean, it's a blessing to receive blessing from people when they bless you, when they give you a Pentecostal handshake. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Pentecostal handshake when they put a 50 or 100 in that hand. But brother, I want to just bless you today. Amen. A Baptist is went. No, I'm just saying <laughs> I don't know why it's called Pentecost. I think it's because back in the day, people would be led by the Spirit. And anything led by the Spirit, they must be Pentecostal. No, it's Bible, dude. Anyway, you would shake hands with people and give them money. And so, uh, blessings. Amen. Why did I say that? When you get a Pentecostal blessing, when you get a blessing from God, you honor God with it. There was a reason for it. I said that, and I'll come back to it in a minute. But you bless the Lord. When the Lord blesses you with finances, uh, he will bless you in a way that you will know it comes from him. Let's move on. So this is the thing about God's financial plan in Deuteronomy. And he tells us when we honor the Lord, when we honor the Lord with our finances, you are inviting God into your finances. You honor him. God deserves the first and the best. That's where this whole thing came from. The first person that ever tithed or ever gave that we know of in Scripture that says tithing is Abraham. A case can be made for Adam and Eve in the garden, but I'll just use Abraham because it actually says it right there, that he gave a tithe. And what Abraham did, this was before the law. Nobody had to tell Abraham to give. This was before he had any, before the law was written. He looked at all the stuff that he had, and he said, this is amazing what God has done. God has truly blessed me. And because God has blessed me, he said, I'm going to bless the Lord. He looked around and he said, I'm going to give God a tenth of my best and my, my first and my best. And it was, a ple it was pleasing on the Lord. And the Lord said this in Deuteronomy. He said, do not fear, Abram, for I am your shield, and I am your exceedingly great reward. 
I love that this is the first time we have the word tithe, but it's also the very first time we see don't fear. Because sometimes trusting God in the area of your finances can be a scary thing. But let's not get too hung up on the tithe. People all the time, well, you tithe. You say, well, I give more in tithing, but if you did tithing, what's the big deal? You know how much money I spent on things that were bad for me and things that were sinful and things that were not good for me? It was way more than 10%. Come on, somebody. Then people get all hung up on that. No, the Lord says if you honor him and you can give 20%. Paul said you can give everything you have, but if you don't have love, if you don't have the attitude right in your heart, you're just giving away money for nothing. The money helps places to pay the bills, whatever. But God says you and I are not going to see the blessing upon our family until we give it with a willing heart. What does the Bible say? God loves a cheerful giver. Sometimes we've been tithing for 20-some years now, and there's many. We got it automatically coming out of our account. And there's times I was like, the Lord, here's my point about the Pentecostal handshake. I love taking that cash because I can see it, and I tie immediately. My mom taught me every dime of a dollar. It goes right to the Lord. That's how mama taught me that. My first job at McDonald's, I had my first paycheck. Mama said, you better tithe it. So I went to tithing and also to pay my beeper bill. I learned that as a kid. This, this is how you get the blessing of God. And he blesses. And God said, it's not the amount. You keep 90. Just, it's an attitude. It's an attitude that God is looking for. Jesus always taught. He said it like this. Where your money is, is where your heart's going to be. That's Jesus' words. Before there was a church, before there was any of that, we have Abraham that said, God, you've been so good to me. I want to give. Why? Because generosity is supposed to be a fruit of a believer. Selfishness is something you don't got to teach. Unselfishness is something you got to teach. My little grandson's already, he's one years old, and he's already learning. He's starting to learn boundaries. He's starting to learn. I'm trying, we're teaching him no, because before he just walked through the house because he can walk, and he grabs anything. Now we grab stuff. We, we say no, 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 and he starts laughing. But he's starting to learn because now he'll walk over to something that I just told him no, and he'll go. <laughs> he knows already what is good and what is bad, and he'll go to grab it, and I go, no, 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 no. He's learning those boundaries as we go. Honoring God also keeps greed out of our heart. Listen, as you honor God, I'm going to tell you this, God's going to bless you. And when the money begins to get blessed, it may take a month, two months. Two, for me, it took a few years. Because when I got saved, I owed restitution. My license was suspended. I owed the city of Lincoln Park, the city of Ecorse, the city of Allen Park. I owed everybody money. And whoever FICO was, was taking all my money. <laughs> and here I was trying to learn how to tithe. Are you serious? My car is leaking oil. I got no shocks in it. I'm driving down the street like I got hydraulics. And that's because I'm poor. But we learn from those days to honor God, number one. The first thing we did is honor God with our, with our giving. And so we, we want to, and God began to bless. He began to bless us. I got four raises at my job in the last quarter of the year at my job when I began to see this. I could tell you a ton of stories and so could you. But here's the big one. It keeps greed out because there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with money as long as the money don't have you. Money is not evil. Money is a great, uh, it's a tool in the kingdom of God. Money is not to be your master. It makes an awful master, but a wonderful servant. 
You should dictate where your money goes. You are the boss. You tell your money where your money goes instead of your money telling you where it needs to go. Let me show you that money's not evil. Some of y'all misquoted that verse for four generations. First Timothy says this, for the love of money is the root to all evil. Why? He even says, for which some have strayed from the faith. Some were loving God, serving Jesus, following the Lord, begin to bless, begin to quit spending their money on hitting this jackpot going here, spending on this, they, they begin to accumulate some wealth. And the next thing you know, money has power. And you start getting a lot of that money, I guarantee you, if you lay, lay $10,000 cash, especially we're almost a cashless society anyway, if you put cash all over your table, just $10,000 in cash, I'm telling you, there is power. Some people would lose their ever-loving mind just seeing that amount of money. It's got power. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you to learn how to do this. Some have strayed from God in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. What does that mean? They've caused so much self-harm to them and their family that was unnecessary, all because they're trying to get more money. That's what this scripture says. Greediness. You know our problem today is greediness in our country? Greediness. You'll never hear a sermon on that or gluttony in the church. You just will never hear that. But I'm telling you, that's exactly why you're paying $6 for a cheeseburger right now. It's greed. If, you, if people would just get the blessing of God and, and get back to honoring God as Israel did as a nation, if they would begin to honor God, the greed would begin to go down. Inflation would begin to drop like this. There would be no drugs. Why? Because the only reason why drugs are being pushed is because someone's making money. If the drug cartel wouldn't make them no money, they ain't going to be selling it. Human trafficking would cease, but that is a billion, multi, $160 billion industry, and it's all over the globe right now. It's a money thing. It's what will cause people, like they last summer tried to snatch a kid. It was on Channel 4 News from R. Myers right here in Belleville. Why? Because of greed. And we think all these other sins are big, and greed is the one. It says the love of this money is the root of all evil. So God said, I'm going to put a uh, thing in place. Learn to honor me first, number one. Smith Wigglesworth said when his money began to come in of his ministry and he began to travel worldwide, he began to give even more. And that is why God blesses us, by the way, is so we can be a blessing. And they said, Smith, why do you give so much of your money away? He says, I give it away as quickly as I can, lest it find a way into my heart. There's nothing wrong having money. Jesus had a seamless garment. That's what they were, they were gambling over it, shooting those craps. They were gambling over his seamless garment because someone blessed him with it. Uh, a year's worth of money a woman brought and busted it, a uh, fragrance over him. He was blessed that he didn't even have. We don't know his house, and I thank God we don't know his house because it'd be a doctrine on you got to have a house like him, and you got to have this, and you got to have that, and it'd be crazy. It's the attitude that matters. So here's my last point, and we got to move on. Why, why? I love the why. Parents, if you want God's blessing in your finances and you start honoring God in your finances, you're going to have to know the why. I don't gave you a big reason because he's amazing. He deserves it. 
But in Deuteronomy, God says this in Deuteronomy 6.20. He says, it will be when your children ask you, what does this mean? Why do we serve God? What's, about, what's up with all these laws, mom? How come I can't do this and do that? What, what's up with these statutes which the Lord our God has commanded you? God said, this is what you tell them. You tell them because you were slaves in Egypt and I brought you out with a mighty hand. And also tell them that it is God that brought you into a better land. And oh, by the way, tell them it is God. God that preserves your life even this very day. You know what he's saying? You want God's family? This is God's plan, the family portrait in our finances. Is we, be, we honor God and you, exp- you tell your kids, this is why we go to church on Sunday. I know Billy and them are out there on a boat every Sunday. Or so-and-so is doing this. This is why, this is why daddy passes up overtime. Not all the time, and don't make it a legalistical thing, but it is a pattern. It is a liturgy. It is something that we do in our family. Our kids knew, man, on Saturday night, get your clothes ready. Whoever's spending the night, tell them to go home or they're going to church in the morning. This car leaves at 9.30 in the morning. Why? Because I'm committed as, the lead, as a dad, I'm committed to, the, to commit my way to honor God and his ways. If you don't take God seriously, our kids will not either. So he says, I told our girls, this is why we give. This is why we tie. This is why we give. Because girls, mom and daddy wasn't always in a good place. We weren't slaves in Egypt, but I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin. So this is why we serve. This is why we gave my first week of vacation. And I, I don't want to blow my own horn. God knows what we do and what we do for the Lord. But don't forget the why. Kids, this is why we do it. Because we serve God. And God has been good to our family. And God has given us eternal life. And we want your families, your friends' families to know it. So this is why we do what we do with our finances. This is why we serve in Royal Rangers, because we care. Instead of yelling at the TV, look at this whole gender thing is so stupid. We got a ministry that aims right for boys being mentored by men and girls being mentored by women. And we can't get help in this country today. Go ahead and yell at the news all you want, brother. Vote all you want. But until we roll up our sleeves, I'm just being pastor today and say this is how we make a difference. As for me and my house, I'm not going to go sing about it. I'm going to do it. What can I do? What can I do to help the kingdom of God? That's what we're called to do as the church. Live our lives. Go on vacation. Have a great time. But also know when you tell your kids when you're, when you're on vacation... Guys, we've been able to enjoy this because God has been so good. I love what John Brevere said. He said he, he got tired of hearing his kids use the word amazing for Michael Jordan dumping a, uh, dunking a basketball or, or something. And they were on vacation one time in Hawaii and years ago when his kids were little. And he said they kept talking about how amazing God is. Is that clock right? And his kids were saying amazing. He got in, he put his kids on the bed and said... I don't mind you using that word amazing, but quit using it for a guy that can carry a football or a basketball. Let me look out the window. You see that ocean? Your mighty God has put that ocean in the palm of his hand. And for 20 minutes, he just began to give the awe of God. Their eyes were this big. You don't got to go that far, but anyway, happiness. Let's go. Psalm 128, he says, not only will I bless the work of your hands with the finances. Let's talk about happiness. Everybody talks about happiness today. You got to pursue your happiness. It's about you and your, it's about being happy, bro. It's about you and your happiness. 
If that relationship don't make you happy, get rid of them. If that job don't make you happy, quit it. If that don't make you happy, even if you're married, if you ain't happy, give them up. That is American culture right now. Here's the problem. It conditions us to make us think happiness is something you're going to get from outward from outward things. It conditions us and makes us think that happiness is something that you can obtain, that you can get. Happiness does not come from outside. The Bible says in God's plan, happiness is the man who fears the Lord. Happiness comes from inside. It comes from a relationship of knowing God, number one. We got houses that are four-bedroom houses and three-car garage, and you don't even want to drive home. You can go from job to job, marriage to marriage, relationship to relationship. And once the new car smell wears off, because that's the only thing the world can give us, is a little bit of happiness. Some of us run to sugar. If, if happiness was just, you know, oh, we could have canceled church today and went to Krispy Kreme. They could have done it a lot faster than Psalm 128. We could have got a little sugar high, and it makes you happy. Ain't nothing wrong eating a little sugar. Hey, come on, somebody. But the world goes on and goes, you need this to make you happy. You need to get high. You need to do this. You need to get drunk. Eat these gummies. Come on, do this. Do that. Listen, the Bible says we have someone that's called the most high. And I've always said there ain't no high. Come on, like the most high. <laughs> but you got to train yourself. The Bible says in Isaiah 1, and First Timothy also tell us, learn to live godly. You have to relearn these kind of things. But if you want happiness, happiness is mentioned three times in Psalm 128. Happiness is people's gods. It becomes people, it controls people. It can become like a pharaoh, like it was to Israel. Pharaoh dictated where they go, how far they went, and how long they stayed there. People sometimes can be under happiness and, and let your feelings control you. Feelings were never meant to control us. We control our feelings. But let patience have its perfect work. Let joy flow from your heart. Let, we are to control our emotions, and happiness comes from knowing the Lord. When we fear the Lord, when we honor God, he will give us that happiness. I didn't think you could have a good time without substance. You've heard me say that before. I was honest. But as I begin to follow the Lord and get the word in my heart, not just church, get the word in my heart and get the presence of God in me, I begin to see the joy unspeakable and full of glory. I begin to understand why Paul the apostle can write in the prison of a Philippian jail, nasty prison, he can write, count it all joy. <laughs> That's insane. People would say he must have a mental illness to be able to do that. He didn't have a mental illness. He was more sane than any, anybody. He had this joy that we're talking about. Let me just say this to Christians before we start to close. You can be a Christian and still be unhappy. The Lord showed me this about 12 years ago. I was going through a season of my life when I was just frustrated in my life, and I was just wanting this to happen. It wasn't happening I was a youth pastor, and, and God was blessing, but there was a lot of things that I got just, it was a bad season, so I got alone with God. The Lord took me to James chapter 4, and James 4 says, where does wars and conflicts and tensions, frustrations come from? I began to study that all night long in different translations, and the Lord began to, to show me. He says, where, where does these wars come from? They don't come from out. They come from within. They come because you desire something and you pray and you don't get. You don't get because you're desiring something that I haven't said you can have yet. 
And the Lord was saying this, Eddie, you are wanting something and trying to make something happen that I haven't given you the grace to do yet. So to understand happiness, Christians, you and I have got to understand grace. Grace is undeserved mercy. Right there ought to make you happy. Grace is undeserved mercy. Grace is also the ability to do something that God has called you to do. And many times we try to kick doors open and make things happen when God hasn't given us the grace. And we end up frustrating and it takes away our happiness and our joy. And the Lord said, if you would just trust me and let my timing be what it needs to be in your life, then I will lead you to your happiness. And my happiness was restored. I began to say, God, and God gave me this word. I came back to the church and showed you this about 10 a few years after I learned this, I preached it. And here's the word I want to give you as we start to close. Trustration. Everybody say trustration. Y'all remember that? Trustration is when you trust God through your frustration. This is it. When your happiness is starting to go and you're a child of God, then chances are you're getting, and you're getting frustrated. And you've got to learn to trust God in your frustration. Or you're going to be like Abraham and Sarah and birth in Ishmael. I ain't got time, I gotta move on, but this is a sermon all by itself. Trustration. We're there now trying to move out to this area. Pray for us. We don't, we're trying to get a house, driving our realtor crazy. We gotta wait on God and wait for him to open the door and this and that. And it's, it's been a frustrating season, but we gotta stop and remind myself, God, your timing, your will, and it will happen. And lastly, so he says, I want to bless you in your money, and I showed you how to do that. You just honor him in your finances. It's an attitude of honoring God in your finances. Don't ever think that you got that money. We got our cars and our money. I'll never say that we did this with this building. This building was a gift from Jehovah God. My job is to be a good steward of it. As a priest of the home, it's like the priest was responsible for the tabernacle. I'm res we're responsible to make, let it be a light in this community. But God gave us this building. We didn't get this building. God gave us this building. God gave us the money in your bank. He gave you the breath in your body. Happiness. And then lastly, he said, I will bless. It will be well with you. That's your future. How many want God's blessing in your future? Twice he says it in Psalm 128, it will be well with you. And at the end, he says, you will see your children's children. How do you get God's blessing in your future? Back to honor. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. You see that? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. The Bible says you want to get honor in your future. It comes with honoring mom and dad. How do you honor mom and dad? When you're a kid, you honor mom and dad by obeying them. When you're a teenager, you honor mom and dad by respecting them. And when you are an adult, you honor your mom and dad by appreciating them. That's what the scripture teaches. A child, you got to teach them to obey. You honor a kid. A kid honors mom and dad by obeying them. When you're a teenager and young adult, you respect them. How do you respect them? What you say about them when they're not around. If you're mad at them because we all get mad, you better go. My, Pastor Brown said, go in the woods and throw a rock. <laughs> Don't be spilling out. And we got re, to respect mom and dad. When you're a single, young adult, teenage life, you respect them. 
Show them respect. Talk about how you talk about them in public, how you talk to them to your friends. And then when they're older, as I'm in that stage with my mom and dad, we, you honor them. You honor them. You appreciate them. How much you appreciate them. What if you got parents that are unhonorable parents? I thought of some of you. I know this is a, this is a big one that have been raised in situations where like Jabez in the Bible, Japheth in the Bible, whose parents weren't on the best mom of the year award. And maybe you've got a parent that are not, not even here or it's hard for you to honor them because in many ways they don't deserve that. I know it's a real thing. It's a real reality. So the, the tension is how do you honor? How do you obey this commandment? I want it to go well with me on the earth. Well, if this is you, you need to write these three things down. Number one, give grace. You got to learn to give grace. Grace is what? Undeserved mercy. If God gave you grace, you and I have got to learn to give grace to mom and dad. I know it may be hard. It may be hard, but it's something that you can do now as a believer is to give them grace. I tell my kids this all the time when they, you know, we disciplined, we I was a very strict, we were disciplinaries, you know. Now Elias James walked through the house and it's like, isn't he cute? He could take a crayon and go all the way down the wall with it. I'd say, Miranda, get a, Felicia, you better clean that up. Now Elias James does it, and I go, isn't that cute? <laughs> no, no. You, you got to give, but parents, we make mistakes. That's why grandkids, God gives us a do-over. That's just the way it is. He helps us do over. <laughs> Secondly, you got to give forgiveness. Listen, you don't excuse. This is, I know this can be a very sensitive topic, and it's hard for me to, I'm not going to rush through this. This is serious. Many live right here. You got to give forgiveness. Doesn't excuse what they did. It doesn't at all excuse abuse. It doesn't excuse what they did. Listen, you give forgiveness not to excuse them. You give forgiveness to release them. Mom and dad, what you did was wrong. Dad, what you did was wrong. You hurt mom. You hurt the family. And you're going to have to stand before God for that. But I'm releasing you in Jesus' name, and I'm letting you go. As for me and my house, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to take after some of your traits, but I'll never do that. I forgive you, and I release you in Jesus' name. And I honor you because you hold the position of my dad. But I do not respect what you did to my kids, to, to the family. That's how you do it. you got to find forgiveness. And lastly, you have to be thankful for something. You have to find something that you can be thankful for. Why? Because being thankful changes your heart. If the only thing you can be thankful for for your parent is that they brought you into this world, then thank them for that. This is the first message in the series of getting back to where God's blessing is around his family. God wants to bless our entire family. He wants you and your whole household to be saved. It starts with us honoring God as mom and dad, praying over your food, stuff like that. You're just honoring God. I remember the first time I did that. It was so weird. We sat down in Melvindale, a little table, a little tiny, tiny house. I mean, we sat down to eat dinner. If you wanted the milk, I just grabbed the fridge right here. <laughs> grabbed the milk. I mean, it was a tiny little house. I said, guys, we're, we're going to start praying over our food. 
Felicia was five, Miranda was three. I'm 25, Melinda's 21. I said, we're young, but I want to honor God in this home. Bow my head, food through the teeth, through the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. I mean, <laughs> no, I said, God, I don't know how to pray like this. I'm just praying and I'm being thankful for the food you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're going to go to church Sunday. Get your clothes out Saturday night. Started reading my Bible. And what happened? God's blessing began to move into my house. His presence began to move into my house. The fighting began to not totally go away. Come on, somebody. But it wasn't as dirty and hurtful and painful. The vindictiveness was gone. God's blessing was trying to move in. And we're still on the potter's wheel. Nobody's perfect. Amen. But it starts with honoring God. I want us to stand today as we close out in prayer and the worship team comes. I want to every Sunday pray over our families here. Next week, I'm going to talk about our men, singles, wherever you are. I think the family needs, needs this message more now than ever. God wants to bless the family. That's what, I, that's what I want you to get in your spirit today, that God wants to bless your family. He wants your whole family to serve the Lord. If you look through the Bible, he used family throughout the Bible. How many are in this building today with your family? This church is related. Like there are like families in this church. There's like, boom, boom. You'll find in the church world, that's how it is. If you're here by yourself and you're the only one in your family, I want you to know that it's God knows that struggle. He knows what that's like. You may go back home right now and everything I said would be mocked would be critiqued. Yeah, that preacher just wants your money. That's why he said that about money. Here, don't tithe to this church. Give to the kingdom somewhere else. Your pastor just said that. In fact, if you don't know how to give with a willingly heart, I'm telling you not even give. It's not the amount. You'll never hear a pastor tell you that. It's the heart that God wants. He wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed, but he wants you to do it his way where he gets the glory. Your happiness, you're not gonna go chase that stuff to get happy. Happiness starts right now with you and God. And honoring your mom and dad, you might need to make some phone calls by, by the time this month is over and say, mom, we need to have, let's go out for coffee. And you have a heart to heart with mom. You have a heart to heart with dad. If it's too painful and Write a letter. Maybe they're deceased. I know families that have done this to this day where their parents are deceased, but they sat down and they wrote a letter to God and said, this is what I would say. And they released them. I feel this. I, they released them right, right there over that paper. In Jesus' name, what they did. So, Father, we just bow our heads today. We thank you for today. We know this is a serious topic about the families and the families are in trouble where families are divided and confused and hurt, broken. Singles are feeling the anxiety and the pressure to start their family and, and how is it gonna happen and their worries. And God, we just come to you right now as a broken people and we stand on Psalm 128 and you said, blessed is the man who fears you. And Father, we will just begin today by saying we are going to commit to, to honor you. If that's you today, and you're gonna commit to honor the Lord, 
especially dads, moms and dads. If that's you, say, I'm going to commit today to honor the Lord in my family. I want you to just lift those hands up to the Lord. Those of you that are at home, lift your hands to the Lord as, as just a declaration. And many of you already do and you do, you're going to continue to do it, then lift those hands as well. And Lord, right now is a symbol all over this church. Grandmas, foster parents, whoever you may be and you've got a family, raise your hands to the Lord right now. I am going to personally commit to honor you in your ways. If you're single in this place and you don't even have a family yet, you say, Lord, I'm going to commit to honor you with my singleness from this day forward. I'm not going to chase my happiness. You can do this, Lord. You can bring together in your time. I'm in the frustration season right now, but I'm going to trust you and honor you in Jesus' name. Then lift those hands up to the Lord as well. You're single all over this place in Jesus' name. Watching online, you as well. Father, with every uplifted hand in this place, I pray, oh God, that your blessing would fall into the hearts of your people. We declare and decree this day, this weekend, right here, September the 3rd, 4th, this weekend, that we are going to commit ourselves. It's not just another sermon series. This is going to change the trajectory of our families, God. We commit ourselves personally to honor you in your ways and our family and I pray that blessing upon your family in Jesus name well amen and amen I pray that message was a blessing to you that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord that's our prayer at River of Life that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart well this is Pastor Eddie again just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.